Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. God, we thank you that there is none like you. Lord, we pray this morning, God, Lord, as we have come here hungry to be free of the things that have entangled us, Lord, to be who you designed us to be, God, I thank you that you have gone before us, God. Lord, we thank you for every testimony that will come from this place this morning in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you have breakthrough for each and every one of us. And right now, oh God, Lord, we lay aside the things of the day, the things of the week, the things of our history, and we look to you where our faith comes from, where our hope comes from, where our joy comes from this morning. Lord, we praise you ahead of time for all that you are going to do in us and through us. In your most magnificent, wonderful name, we pray. Can I get a big amen? Amen, amen, amen. Y'all can give each other a high five. Take a seat. Thank you, worship team. Worship was extraordinary. I loved it so much. I'm like, we could stay just in this, but it's been three months and I have a lot to say. Now, I'm so excited to be back with my church family and my home campus. I've missed you. I love you. I'm so honored to be able to minister this morning. And I'm so grateful to Pastors Jurgen and Leanne, who built a magnificent church because it, not, it didn't just come from Pastors Jurgen and Leanne. It came from Pastor Jurgen and Leanne dreaming with God. And this church was birthed from that. And I, I, I just, even being away for the last couple months, was so grateful to see all that God placed in me through Pastor Jurgen Leanne, through the team, through this church. Um, that was really fun to actually give away while I was um, out for the, the last couple months. And I'm grateful to Pastors Mike and Katie. Katie was preaching up a storm up in Bressy. Um, I love being under their covering and their leadership. It's just so wonderfully healthy. And, um, and I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to be part of such a magnificent team in church that I could go away after 16 years of ministry and get refreshed. And I did just that. And the church is alive and well while I was gone. So y'all are doing a great job. And so today I'm going to just share um, a little bit about um, even some of the things that God had been speaking to me about over these last couple of months. And it was so fun to be able just to go on an adventure. I've realized about myself that I am an adventurer. I like all kinds of excitement and fun. And, and it's really refreshing to be refreshed in your mind, your body, your soul, and your spirit. It's a beautiful thing to be able to get to do. And um, I bought a uh, one-way ticket to Europe, and just I said, God, let's go on a trip. This is going to be fun. I brought the beautiful Kelly O'Connor with me at the first 10 days, because when you go somewhere fun, you need to bring someone fun with you. I realized I'm an extrovert in every sense of the word. People said, how was it traveling alone? I was like, I don't know. I never did. <laughs> I was barely alone ever on this trip. Um, God knows how to feed our soul, and he does a really great job in doing that. And I had a beautiful opportunity to go to Europe and traveled in um, Spain and uh France, Italy, and then I made my way to South America to where my family is from in Ecuador, 
and, um, and then the cherry on top was the Galapagos Islands, which I'd always wanted to go to since I was a kid because they're actually a part of Ecuador. And um, I'm going to share a little bit from, from the trip. And one of the things that I experienced when I was there is um, when I was at the Galapagos Islands, we did all of these, like, excursions. So um, a lot of snorkeling, all that kind of thing. And on one of the trips, I love it because in the middle of adventure and fun, I feel like that's exactly where God is. And he speaks to you. And God spoke to me as I was on this trip. And I did one of these excursions. And we were um, snorkeling. And it was the most hilarious thing. First of all, they take you on a boat that has four engines. It's a small boat. I don't know why it has four. I don't know who we were racing against. But we speedily got to where we were going. It was the most wild boat ride of my life. And then we get there. And they give us our snorkeling gear. And they're like, OK, you're going to jump out of the boat. And this is Ecuador. This is not America. This is when you know you're part of Ecuador. They don't have you sign 7 million waivers. There's no 7 million insurances. It's like, if you do this, you do this. And up to you with whatever happens. And so we're with this whole group of people on this boat. And then it was like right before the adventure is about to begin, the tour guide would tell us the one million ways we could die doing what we were about to do. And he would save it right to the last minute. Like all this fun and games, we're all getting to know each other. And then the last minute, he's like, okay, so we're going to be um, jumping overboard. And when you do, just know that there are sea lions and there are sharks um, in the waters also. And I'm like, um, I'm pretty sure I didn't sign up to swim with sharks. Pretty sure my excursion said swim with fish. Had no idea that I was about to swim with sharks. It wasn't on my to-do list. I wasn't, I like adventure, but I'm like, yeah, the sharks can stay where they stay. Had no idea that we were about to jump into water with sharks. And so he says, there's white tip sharks, black tip sharks. Um, just so you know, they're pretty docile. I'm like, pretty docile? Like, how do you know? And then, he, and then he says, but if one gets angry, and I'm like, oh, great. If one gets angry, they'll first come and take a chunk and then a limb. I'm like, now he did explain this in both English and Spanish, so I felt like he had a good grip on what he was saying. But to clarify, I was like, what do you mean by a chunk? And he's like, you know, like, just take some of your flesh. And I'm like, great, 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 great. So I'm like, wow, we're about to jump into the water with sharks. And then, and then he's like, gives us our gear. And so me being an adventurer, like, we're there. We all look at each other like, we came to do this. We're going to do this. So we jump overboard. When I jumped overboard, it was absolutely extraordinary. Saw some sharks right there. Um, but when I first jumped in, the snorkeling gear that he gave me wasn't working. Like the mask, the goggles, there was water coming in. And I'm like, I am in dangerous waters. I need to be able to see. And I felt later on as I looked back on this, same like the goggles uh, in the natural, I felt like in the spirit, God was saying, there is some gear that needs to be designed specifically for you. Because the truth about those goggles were, they, they took them off of me, gave me a new set that fit me perfectly. So those, that set fit somebody else perfectly. And I felt God say, there is some gear. There's some things about you, Stacy, that have been tailor-made for you. And it's not good if you are 
going to use somebody else's gear that was made for them. I don't know about you, but some of us, I think, have been living with an identity or labels that are from somebody else and not from God. And this morning, I felt God speak to me and say that, that, that God wanted to speak to you. The title of my message today is called Label Me. And I know that can be triggering sometimes because so many of us are used to the idea of man labeling us. Or we ourselves taking matters into our own hands. And we put labels on ourselves. Labels like I'm not good enough. Labels like I'm always going to be this way. Labels like whatever mantra it is. And then the devil jumps into those arenas of our life. And, and those areas of wounds or hurts or pains jumps right into and kind of revs it up. That's what the devil does. And when I was on this sabbatical, this journey, there was a couple areas of my life where I was like, God, I just want you to speak to me. Who have you designed me to be? Whenever we want to know who we are, go to the God that designed and created us. We don't go to the words of man. We don't go to our own words. We go to God himself. And for me, one of the areas of my life, and you insert your story here. I'm going to share some from my own testimony, my own life. But we all have things that give us a little bit of angst. We all have some things in our life where like, that doesn't fit well. I don't like the idea of this. I don't like the feel of this or a comparison or whatever it might be. And one of them for me was I, I was talking to God about the, the idea of statuses. And I'm like, it's starting to give me a little bit of angst, this whole married, single, feeling like single in a married world, the, the more that I've gotten older, you know, just by the, the state of which I am in. And, and I started to just think about this idea, but I I also realized that I started to feel shame around the status. And so when you feel shame around something, it, it, walking into certain rooms, all of a sudden those were rooms that you used to always walk in, and now you feel ashamed. And I started to think, why would I feel ashamed of something that is not a problem, that is not a wrong? I know because I've gone to counselors, I've gone to leaders and pastors, they're like, there is nothing wrong with you. The problem with there's nothing wrong with you is then, then there's nothing else to fix in your eyes, right? I'm like, well, okay. So I was struggling with that. And I was like, God, you speak to me. Who am I? God, speak to me. And you know how beautiful God is? Is that he does. He spoke to me. He affirmed me. He began to show me who I am. Do you know what I realized just even in this area around statuses? Is that statuses were not invented by God. When you read your Bible, do you see Mr. Abraham? Do you see Miss Deborah? Even angels, when they would appear to people, would call them by name, not by a status. I never heard an angel come to Mary and go, Miss Mary, I got some things to talk to you about. It was just Mary. And then I did a little research and found that statuses were not invented by God. They were invented by man in the 17th century. They were introduced uh, to identify class, hierarchy, social status. Even the term miss came out of mistress to identify mistresses. I thought, well, that's a little odd. That's a little evil. Don't get me wrong. I have no problem knowing if people are married or unmarried. I get it. But when there becomes a hierarchy, a social system, a class, a shame around such things, and then I realized this thing was invented by man and not God. Whenever we take matters into our own hands, it never seems to go really well. In fact, this is what I realized about God. God doesn't call people by status. He calls people by name. And, and, and even when... 
God feels like our name or the title or the slogan around our life, if God feels like the people around us or the family got it wrong or we got it wrong, he will come in and correct the situation. He actually, by divine intervention, will come in and go, you know what? That isn't what you are. Let me tell you what you are. How do I know that? Because Genesis 17, 5, God comes and changes Abram's name to Abraham. He was, his original meaning was father, and he said, no, you're going to be the father of multitudes. In Genesis 17, 15, Abraham's wife, her name was Sarai, which was princess. Princess is a beautiful name. What a great name to call someone. But God said, no, I see more than just a princess in you. I'm going to call you Sarah, because Sarah means the mother of nations. He saw the mother of nations in that princess, and she was walking around, yep, I'm a princess, I'm all these things, but he said, no, you're a princess and a mother of nations. God who designed us and created us, he knows, he put in us before time even began all the things that he wanted to bring out of us. And when the people that surround us or we ourselves get it wrong, he is very happy to make it right. Genesis 32, 28, Jacob, heel catcher, supplanter. His name is changed to Israel, meaning God prevails or the prince of God. Matthew 16, 18, Simon, who was known as a reed going from one direction to another, was renamed Peter, the rock on which the church Christianity would be built. How beautiful of God, Saul to Paul. We see it all through the Bible. So I want to come today and let us know if people got it wrong about us, if we got it wrong about us, could we not, instead of have shame and bitterness and let the devil have a playground, instead silence those voices, break them off of our life, and instead lean into Jesus himself? My entire last three months has been a beautiful time of just leaning into Jesus saying, God, what do you call me? God, what have you placed into me? And let me tell you, when God speaks to you himself, do you know what I realized? My name, Stacy, means of the resurrection. I kind of liked that. I was like, thank you, God. That means every room I walk into, guess what? Resurrection power is walking in. I began to stand 10 feet tall. I'm like, I might be five foot three in the natural, but my goodness, in the spirit, when I walk in, there is resurrection power. That is only God can do that. God knows what to call us. God knows what he placed in us, and it's up to him to bring it out. God, label me. We're doing good? We're just getting the party started. We're okay? All right. Point number one, let God label you. Let God label you. If you want to know who you are, you must go to the one who designed and created you from the start. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, his own master work, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Psalm 139, 13 through 18, for you formed me in your most innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks and praise to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can we all say that? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. <clears throat> Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. 
the last couple of months, I needed to God to not only name me, but rename me, tell me again who I am, tell my soul who I am, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret and intricately and skillfully formed as if embroidered with many colors in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were appointed for me when as yet there was not one of them even taking shape. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. How wonderful are those passages to remind us that God, a beautiful artist and creator, designed each one of us uniquely, placed giftings, anointings, named us, wrote our name in the Lamb's book of life. He knows us. In order for us to know us, we have got to know him. Let him label you. Point number two, let God appoint, anoint, and promote you. I found that whenever we choose for ourselves and try to anoint and promote ourselves, it doesn't seem to go well. Uh, when it, I even think about, you know, in today's society, you know, when they when people try to put a label next to their name or new letters that I never heard of before, it doesn't go well. God designed us male and female. When we try to name ourselves, it gets messy. We've got to go to God. You know, when I was in college, I can remember, um, you know, you're and we're all on, on discovery. You know, most of us weren't born day one going, I know exactly who I am and what I'm doing. God bless you if you knew from a young age. It's awesome. Um, and, and But let God reveal it to you. And some of us, it gets a little messy along the way. We, you know, we, we, we kind of get out there and we're learning and we're doing. But how beautiful of God that even when we get off that, that path, God's like, all right, come back on over here. Let me remind you of who you are and what your name is. Sometimes we get so fearful of I'm now out of the will of God. He's like, no, no, just a little correction, just a slight little. And so for me, when I was in college, I was, you know, on that discovery, God, what do you want me to do in my life? Who am I? And God began to speak to me on those things. But I just decided one day, I should be a nurse. Insert laugh there, if you know me. I thought, I should be a nurse. That would be so great because I speak two languages. Um, when I was a teenager growing up in Ecuador, I used to be an interpreter in hospitals. Um, they had me in surgery rooms translating between the surgeons and doctors. Yes, you can only do that in a third world nation, South America. Probably would not be allowed to do that here. But I did that. And so I kind of grew up in that world. And so I thought, well, I know I'm kind of a little bit ahead because I know a lot of that world. Um, I speak the two languages. I can travel the world doing that, helping people. The, that was a great idea. But it wasn't a God idea. When we don't consult God first and we leap out, I reckon God kind of likes it when we leap out. But then he's like, all right, over here. And it only lasted a week for me. I got to college. Uh, I was there for a week and absolutely, with all of my heart, hated every class that I was in for nursing school. And I was like, oh, no, what do I do now? I moved to a new state, a new college. What am I meant to do? And so God is so beautiful that when I inquired of the Lord, I had a divine appointment set up with the dean of the college. He sat down with me, and he says, Stacy, by the end of today, we're going to pray, and God's going to give you direction for your life. That's a God moment. That's a God encounter. He uses people to help us to get onto the right path. And from that day, after talking through all of the things, he was like, you're not good at math and science. I'm like, I know, and I don't like it either. He's like, yeah, exactly. 
And then he was like, but you, I think what you liked was the interpreting and the communication and all this. And that's when I decided I was going to be a communications major. Um, I specialized in public speaking and minored in business and ministry. Yeah, all those things worked out for me. <laughs> God had a plan. God had a good plan. And it was time for me, for God to begin to reveal that plan to me. David in the Bible um, I've been kind of obsessed with, and I've been studying a lot, and especially over the last couple of months. And I really love the life of David, and I see a lot of this in his life, and I just want to share a little bit. Uh, David, um, in the Bible, uh, was born into a family, and they recognized his dad looked at David and saw a shepherd. And it was partially true. The dad did a good job. He was raising him as a shepherd. David definitely learned some skill in shepherding uh, the animals and one day would shepherd people. But that wasn't all of David's story. God did not only see a shepherd in David. He saw something else. He saw a king. And it's really interesting to me that parents, family, as best they do, sometimes they can get it wrong about us friends, ourselves. Sometimes we get it wrong about ourselves. But look how beautiful God is with David. His father didn't recognize him as a king. And so what did God do? He sent in a prophet. You're not getting this. Here I'm going to go and jump into the story. And that's what God does with us. He jumps into our story. And so God sends prophet Samuel into uh, Jesse's house and God had said, I'm rejecting Saul. Saul is no more. I'm going to be anointing a new king of Israel. And so he sends the prophet Samuel to the house of Jesse. And he says, bring out your sons. I'm here to anoint a king. God had instructed him to do that. Well, Jesse brings out his seven sons, and David is nowhere to be found. He had sent David to a field. That's how much he didn't realize David was a king. He didn't see a shred. He saw it maybe in the other seven sons. Maybe you're the king. I'm going to bring all of you out. But David, I'm going to hide. Sometimes even our hiding can be the shame of a previous generation. It could be something in the generations that came before us that has nothing to do with us. Many believe that Jesse had had an affair and David was the result of that. And so when the prophet was coming to his house, he said, let me show you these sons, but that son let me hide. Let me hide that sin that you wouldn't find it. But God looks way beyond our sinful behavior, way beyond the shame of a generation. And instead, he says, no, no. Those are not who I've called king. Do you have another son? And Jesse says, I do, and goes and gets David from the field. And Samuel sees David, and, and God, through Samuel, goes, that's the next king of Israel. God saw a king in David. First Samuel 16.1, the Lord said to the prophet Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. David, the youngest son, was, was brought out. And God, through the prophet Samuel, anointed and appointed David as king. And then later revealed he would build a dynasty and a legacy through King David that even Jesus himself would be born through. That day, David was anointed as, as king in the presence of his family. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord came on David from that day forward. Isn't it amazing that sometimes, even in our mess-ups and our mistakes, and what we try to keep hidden, God will bring a miracle when it's, when it's of him. 
And I love that not only was he going to make David a king, but he was going to make a legacy from David that even Jesus himself would be born from. I don't know about you, but in my past, in my history, there's been some mistakes. And most of those would be like, just you could stay hidden. And God goes, no, no, from that mistake, from that past, because you repented, you brought to me, I will create a miracle. He can change an entire generation through you. He can bring a king out of a shepherd. What could he do with you? I love that even when sometimes we get it wrong about ourselves or others get it wrong about us, you know what I discovered? It's not the time to get bitter. It's not the time to hold a grudge. How dare you not have seen? Oh, boss who didn't promote me. How dare you? All of those things. No, 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 no. Don't go into bitternesses. Don't go into to judgments. Let God judge. Instead, get close to God and say, God, label me. Go into the secret place of prayer with God and say, God, you're a God that speaks speaks to me. Who am I? And when God just reveals it to you, he will make it known when it's of him to make it known. He used it through the prophet Samuel. He could use it through anybody. Does that make sense? Psalm 75, 6 through 7 says, no, no one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. It is God who judges. He brings one down and he exalts another. The beautiful thing about David is that David did not anoint himself as king. David as a kid may not have even saw himself as a king. But God came and anointed his head with oil and recognized a king within someone that maybe didn't even recognize it within himself. It's an amazing thing. Let God anoint, appoint, and exalt us in his great, good, wonderful timing. Point number three is this. When you forget who you are, go back to what God said to you. Go back to his promises. When we begin to forget who we are, or if you're like, you know what, Stacey, that all sounds good, but I don't even know a promise of God over my life, or I didn't have some prophet come into town and give me a great prophecy like I've seen, guess what? You have the most beautiful book in all of the world called the Bible that is full of promises. And let me tell you, when God himself speaks to you, it, that, that is better than, than hundreds of men and women speaking about who you are. When the God of the universe affirms you in who you are, all of a sudden life and life in abundance comes on the inside of you. It's an amazing thing to walk into rooms and feel 10 feet tall because of the spirit that has been placed on the inside of us. And sometimes we need to be reminded, what did God say about us? Go back to the first prophecy. Go back to, to the words that God spoke about us. Go to the Bible and see his promises for our life. You know what's amazing to me is uh, when I look at the life of David, you know, the, the people had chosen Saul to be king, but God rejected Saul. He wasn't, he might have been the people's choice, but he wasn't God's choice. And instead, he anointed David as the king. I think because of that, when David went through all kinds of mistakes and failures, the beautiful thing is that David went, you know what? I didn't make me king, God did. And when we forget sometimes, when we've gone through some losses, when life begins to hit us hard, we don't pretend that those bad things didn't happen, but we just bring them and come to the Lord and ask him to speak to us about them. 
I like this quote from Rocky Balboa. Just go with me for a minute. It says, when life can hit you hard, it ain't how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. You know what on my journey I found? Just put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes looking five years, 10 years, 20 years in advance is too much. Just look one day. Put one foot in front of the other. God will bring you right into where he wants you to be. And it says this, uh, it ain't how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what's your worth. Find your worth in God, I would say. But you gotta be willing to take the hit and not pointing fingers saying, uh, saying you ain't where you, where you are because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I like that quote from Rocky Balboa because it's not the blame game. It's not I am where I am because of that person or that person or that person. We do look at our own lives and I believe that David did that. The fascinating thing about David is that David, he died as a king, but he went through some really tough times. One of them, for example, um, was after fighting many wars, living as king. The Bible says that uh, David, uh, let me find it here, hold on. A little rough from not preaching for three months. Just stick with me. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Um, David wound up losing his way. And the beautiful thing about David is he always seemed to find his way back to Jesus. But years later, David had had an affair with Bathsheba. She wound up getting pregnant and so he arranged for Uriah, her husband, to be placed in a dangerous position in battle leading to his death. I mean, that's a pretty big mess up. Like those are some pretty big mistakes to make. You're talking about a fair, a pregnancy out of wedlock as a king, arranging for her husband uh, to die, that's, that's murder. But what I love about David, because I began to research, how did David come back from that? You would think after those kinds of mess ups that David would hand the crown back. He'd go, I'm not fit for a king. I'm not worthy to be a king. But you know what I love about David is that in those worst moments, David didn't hide what had happened. In fact, God brought to him another prophet and revealed the, the sin, revealed what was going on. And when that revelation came, David did not tuck tail and run. Do you know what he did? He went straight to God. He said, God, I did do those things, but I repent. I am sorry for the things that I have done. I'll take the consequences for them. And you know how beautiful God is? God forgave David his sin, but in those moments, God did not say, and now you're not fit for the kingdom. No, because David knew in my worst of my worst, I do not run from God, I run to him. I confess God remembers our sin no more and God reaffirms David and says, you're still a king. Yes, you might be a flawed man or a flawed woman, but I see a king on the inside of you. And God doesn't let David lose the crown. In fact, God says you're worthy of the crown because he was not defined by a title. He was not defined by his last sin. He was not defined by all his previous sins. He was not disqualified because of his success or his failure. He was defined by the living God because God chose to make him a king. God loved him. God saw a king and said, you're going to remain a king. 
In fact, God goes forward and said, this is a man after my own heart. That messed with my mind. I'm like, God, you don't have murder in your heart. God, you're not a God that would have an affair. God, you're not a God that would make those kind of mistakes. How could that be? And I felt God say to me, God's anointing is not removed based on our perceived successes or failures. God's anointing is based on our relationship with him. What he loved about David and would say of David, a man after my own heart, is that regardless of David's successes or failures, he was always found at the feet of Jesus. He was always found with God, tell me who I am. You made me a king, I'll stay a king. And do you know that David, on his dying last days, he died a king. He never left the crown. He never left the purpose that God had placed inside of him. What label has God placed on the inside of you that today it's not a day to lie it down. Today is a day to go, God, I'm going to lay down and cast aside every label that is not of you, but you, oh God, affirm me. You tell me who I am, and I will live out of what you have designed and called me to be. Can I get an amen? I believe God brought me here today to say to you that you're not defined by your last sin. I'm not defined by my failures and by my sins. We're defined by our relationship with Jesus himself. And that's nothing to be compared to or from. It's our own. I imagine that every time David fell, he would have to go back to the prophecies previously surrounded him. I imagine that every time David made a mistake or fell short of the glory of God like us, he would go back and go, God, I didn't make me a king, but you did. God, I don't feel like a king today, but you tell me what's in here. God will do that. He did that with me. I said, God, I don't, I don't like this or I don't feel like this. And I let God begin to speak about me, who I am. And from that place, I can live and be and have peace. It's such a beautiful thing. I want us to close our eyes just right now, and I'm going to read over you part of a chapter in 2 Samuel. And this is the chapter in Samuel where David is reminded by God who he is, and it's David's response to the God who made him this lovely purpose as a king. It says this in 2 Samuel, and and just reflect on your own life and on your own past. Where did God bring you? Where is he bringing you from and to? What is God speaking to you about this morning? It says in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 8. Now then, this is God speaking, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointing you ruler over my people of Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great. That was the promise at the beginning, a legacy. I will provide, I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they had at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my 
my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all of your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Can I say that to you today? Let God establish your house. Let God tell you who you are. It says this, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up an offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever because before me, your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all of the words of this entire revelation. David's prayer, then King David went in and sat before the Lord. He said, who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken of the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant how great you are, sovereign Lord. There's no one like you. There is no God but you. And as we have heard with our own ears, who is like your people of Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people when you redeemed them from Egypt. You have established your people Israel as your very own forever and ever. Lord, you have become their God. And now, Lord, God, keep forever the promise you have made to me concerning your servant and in his house. Do as you promise so that your name will be great forever. Then the Lord will say, the Lord Almighty is God over Israel, over this house, and over his servant, David. You can look up. On David's last days, he died as a king and God reaffirmed to David, not only his promise, not only his legacy, but the Bible says that after David received the consequences for his previous sins, that God um, allowed him and Bathsheba to have another child that they named Solomon. And that was God's way of saying, that there is a future in you beyond your mistake, beyond your sin, beyond your pain, beyond your ruin, beyond where the devil would want to shame you. I want you to know you named that child Solomon, but I have named him Jedediah, my loved one. I need you to know that you are loved way more than your sin. I need you to know that you are loved way more and way beyond than any mistake or failure. I need you to know that you were named beyond any label of man, but the label of God himself. I want you to know on your dying day that you were loved and your legacy will continue because God established that legacy. God established David as king. Can we all stand to our feet today? How has God established you and your family and your legacy and your dynasty? What is God going to do through you today and from today forward? I want to do this. I'd like to ask the ministers to come forward and I would like those of us to go, you know what? It's time today to lay some lay down. It's time today that once and for all that God forgets my sin. Why am I being reminded of it? Why am I being shamed by the devil? It's time for those voices to stop. It's time for the 
words of the enemy of shame and unworthiness and fear and control to be laid down at the feet of Jesus. And once and for all, for God to speak into me who I am. Let God label us this morning, church. I want to do this. I'm going to pray for us. But as I pray for us, I would like you just to make your way out to the altar. And, and, and some of you might just want to, to pray to God. You don't need somebody to stand with you, but you're like, I need to leave some labels. I need to leave some titles. I need to leave some sin at the altar like King David for a king to bow himself before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is no small thing, but it's a great thing in the eyes of God so that God can establish and reestablish us today. Let God affirm you. So would you do that this morning? These ministers have been praying so that they can stand with you to help silence the voice of the enemy and bring forward all that God has for you today. So I'm going to start to pray. And as I do, would you just make your way out of your seat? Let somebody stand with you to pray with you. Come do business before the Lord. Let God begin to speak about you. Come on, let's just begin to make our way out. And I'm going to pray for us tonight, today. Come on, just begin to make your way out. I'm sure there's some things that it's time to shred off and let people stand with us. If we want those vision cards to come to pass, we got to deal with our own past and let God establish us. God, oh God, Lord, I thank you for these beautiful people. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you're establishing your house in us and through us, oh God. Lord, I thank you right now, God, Lord, that you have a destiny far beyond, far greater than our wildest dreams or our imaginations. And right now, in the name of Jesus, those things that have not served us well, we lay them aside. We put them at your feet, oh God. We are no longer going to be reminded um, by our sin, oh God. We will be reminded by who you have designed and called us to be in the name of Jesus. Lord, pour out your spirit today, Father. Lord, I thank you that the heavens are open, that the angels are singing, Father God, that you are proud of your children, Father. And Lord, I pray right now that there would be some new words spoken over people, God, your words, God, your affirmation, your love towards them, oh, Father. Lord, I release you, Jesus, to be God over our lives, God, to establish us, oh, Father, to speak your goodness and your greatness. Today we call forth kings in the name of Jesus. We call forth queens and princesses in the name of Jesus. We call forth the leaders that God has designed you to be, oh God. Lord, establish your word on the inside of us. Let us never be the same again. God, we release you to be God over our lives. We praise you, Father. Lord, that from this day we can walk, God, out of here with heads held high, knowing who we are in you, oh Father, that the only stamp and the only applause we look for is yours, oh God. Oh Lord, establish, affirm, God, who we are in you, God. I thank you, Jesus, for releasing your words over all of us. In your most magnificent, wonderful name, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. 
We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.